I love this show. I love this show. I've told all my co I've told all my coworkers. I've told all my coworkers. Listen to it every day. Listen to it every day, and it's amazing. Do you have the spark? Hey everybody, thanks for joining us again on Leaders of Walmart. Today we have market manager Tracy from Market 334 in Joplin, Missouri. Tracy, I'll pass it right over to you to uh, introduce yourself. Hi, Zach. Uh, appreciate you having me. Excited to visit with you today. So uh, my name is Tracy Triplett-Williams. Um, I have Market 334 here in Joplin, Missouri. All right, awesome. So Tracy, I've seen you um, in plenty of places from workplace, we've had meetings in person together, LinkedIn. So could you tell me a little bit more detail around what is your Walmart story? Yeah, so uh, everybody has a Walmart story and um, they're all different. And uh, mine, like many others, has me going kind of all over the place and in different areas of the business. So um, I actually started in the stores when I was 15 at uh, store 209 in Ozark, Arkansas. So um, family moved to Arkansas and that was the, the first job I got here in Arkansas. So worked in the stores for about four years, um, ended up going to college and then in college worked a little bit more in a different store in Fort Smith. Um, ended up in law school and, and thought law was kind of the path I wanted to take. But um, in law school, I ended up working in real estate as a law clerk and then an intern in realty management and, um, and still still had that tie to Walmart. So um, graduated, ended up uh, working as a federal prosecutor for about five years and uh, decided in 2011 that I really wanted to get back to Walmart. So um, I missed Walmart and, and knew that this was probably where I wanted to build my career. So. Um, in 2011, I came back into the home office and um, I wanted to try to get into like a store function operations type role. Of course, they saw attorney and kept saying, hey, you could, you know, um, compliance. So, um, so I landed in a compliance role and did uh, regulatory affairs for about a year and a half and then got the opportunity to go over to global investigations. And um, I, I led our corporate fraud teams in global investigations for a couple of years and um, about three three and a half years into it, got the opportunity to come back out into the field um, as a developmental market manager. So I uh, came out in 2015 and um, was a developmental for about nine or 10 months and then got my first market in uh, Springfield, market 357. Um, was there for about a year and a half. We restructured and I got moved to Joplin. So um, I've been at Joplin now for about two and a half years in the Joplin market. And uh, that's, that's kind of my Walmart story. Yeah, so you have literally gone across the spectrum from stores, home office, legal, real, I mean, you've, you've been everywhere. Um, what is it that you've been doing in your career to stand out as you've advanced and gotten these new opportunities? So I think one of the keys for me has always been that I didn't, I didn't let myself get too comfortable. And so um, I say I didn't. I, in the beginning, I was letting myself get too comfortable. And um, I actually had a senior director who became a VP in compliance who one time stopped by my office and or my desk. And um, I'd been in uh, the role for about a year and a half in compliance. And he said, uh, he asked me what my ambition was, what I wanted to do next. And um, I don't think I had the right answer. Or I think I said something about I was pretty comfortable. I was really good at what I was doing um, because his response was, um, I didn't see you for somebody who would just be satisfied spinning her wheels. Um, and when he said that, it kind of took me back and I was almost offended um, that why, why would this person say this? You know, I've, I've hadn't really had a lot of interaction with him. 
Um, so I was kind of caught off guard, but I went home that evening and I thought about what he said and I took it to heart and I realized that he was right, that I had really kind of stopped growing and stopped stretching. And so um, I was kind of just spinning my wheels in that role. So I started right away applying for other jobs and looking at what, what was going to be my next step. And um, I, actually within a matter of a couple of weeks, I was become a director over at uh, Global Investigations. And so um, I always say, just don't get too, comfor too comfortable. Um, I like to I like to feel that discomfort, and and that's a tough space to be in. But I know that when I'm discomfort, that discomfort means I'm growing and I'm stretching. And um, and then I'd say just you got to work to always be the best in the role you're in. And so um, you know how can you do the very best you can be? Um, be a student of the business. Be constantly trying to learn and grow. Um, and then trying to do extra. So how are you raising your hand? What are you doing that's extra in the job you're in? Um, if you want to try to stand out. And so, um, you know, for me, that was things like, you know, when I was in global investigations, I realized that we had a whole lot of external hires. Um, you know, it was right after some things would happen with the FCPA investigation. And, and so we had all these external hires that had no concept of what Walmart was all about. And they didn't understand the business and they didn't understand the culture. And um, so as a director, I, I didn't have any responsibility for all of these other folks, but um, I really wanted to make sure they understood it. And so I started reaching out and um, like bringing in guest speakers and just doing extra things to sort of get them exposure to the business. And, um, and we got, you know, we got people like Doug McMillan came and spoke and Greg Ferran and, um, and, you know, it was really awesome. And so it became something that all of the investigative teams would come watch because they wanted to hear from these speakers. And um, so it was something, it wasn't part of my job. I had no responsibility for it. Um, but I saw the need and I decided, hey, I'm going to do this and um, kind of own it. So um, I, I think that would be the second thing. And then the last thing I would say is just there's so many talented people at Walmart. I mean, everywhere you go, every team you're on, there's somebody that's a really strong leader and there's somebody that's a really talented person. And um, you're competing with a lot of really talented people. So I think you have to be really bold to stand out. Um, and I think being bold takes courage and it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. Um, and, it, you know, it's something I've worked on a lot over the course of my career, um, asking for what I want. So not being afraid to say, hey, this is what I want and uh, making that ask. And I'll tell you, the first few times I did it, I was scared to death to do it. Um, and I didn't have that courage. And so I think it's kind of like a muscle, though. The more that you do it, the more comfortable you get doing it. Um, and then just let's be honest, as soon as somebody says, yes, I'm going to give you what you want. It feels a lot easier than to say it again and again. And so. Um, be uncomfortable in that space, be uncomfortable in the space that um, I'm always going to, you know, sit at the table when I go to a meeting. Um, you know, I've heard people talk about it. Don't stand at the back of the room, but sit at the table. Um, if you're not invited to the table, invite yourself, get yourself an invitation to the table. Um, but most of the time, people don't care if you invite yourself, if you bring yourself, and that's that boldness and that courage to say, hey, I want to be a part of this discussion and not just standing in the back. Um, it definitely makes a difference. And so I think if you do those things and you sort of stand out and uh, people will notice and they'll notice that, that you do have that courage and, and that boldness. And, and I think that's a, something that's definitely helped me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You do have to be bold and speak up and think about those problems, where the business is going. And, and I really love how you went into, you know, you started this off with somebody had a tough conversation with you, you know, that you didn't like to hear at first. Um, one of the things I know I've taken away in my career is that when you have those tough conversations, 
the first inclination is to be, you know, why they say that, like you said, why they say that, why they tell me that. But man, if you aren't surrounded by people who challenge you and have those tough conversations, I, I just don't know, like, I don't know that I could ever win in my career or in my life. If I didn't have people push me back. So I'm glad you shared that aspect as well. Um, well, could you tell me what was one mistake that you made in your Walmart career and what did you learn from it? So I've made uh, plenty of mistakes over the course of my career for sure, um, but definitely have one that stands out to me. And so um, it stands out because I think I probably learned the most from the mistake. Um, and it's been the one that I, I probably have the most pain about to this day that um, I, I hate that I made the mistake, but I learned so much from it that I can't regret that it happened. But yeah. Um, definitely wish I'd learned differently, right? But um, so I was fairly new as a market manager, um, had a really great first year, coming off of a great first year as a market manager. And um, just for me coming out of the office and getting to do it, that was a, a really big deal. And um, in fact, I got the, the leadership award at YBM that year. So just riding on top of the world thinking, you know, I'm, I'm getting a leadership award and with, with the Kona over here here and um, you know I got my market my market had some really great results that year and so I was getting some things done and um, we, we got shaken up and I was asked to take on a new challenge and I was asked to take on a new team and so um, I moved over to that new team and I kind of came in it the same way that you know I got I got to be successful I got to show them that I can do this job um, I think I thought I was still trying to prove to somebody that I was the right choice for the job um, and the reality is, I think I was probably trying to prove to myself that I was the right person for the job more than anything. Yeah. But I jumped into that role and I was just so focused on being successful and getting done what I knew we needed to get done that I just moved entirely too fast. And so I didn't give the time that I needed to um, get, get my team on board, get my team to trust me, earn the respect of my team. Um, I just jumped in and was just, we're, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. Um, and, and obviously it, it was a lot for my team. And so um, it came back to bite me and um, I found myself sitting, you know, in the hot seat across from my boss um, who had chosen me to go take this opportunity. And, um, and so, you know, it was the first time in my career, to be honest, that I had that really tough conversation, um, you know, where, where there was accountability um, for my mistake. And, I owned it. I knew, I knew as soon as I heard it that I, you know, I knew what I had done wrong. And um, I was so disappointed in myself. I was so disappointed that I let my team down and I let my boss down. And I remember, you know, leaving that conversation thinking to myself that, you know, you got two things you can do here. You know, you, you've been a marketing manager for two years. You can easily just, you know, throw your hands up and go back to the office and try to find something different to do. Um, or you can get back out there and you can say, you know what, I made a mistake. Um, I, I own it and I'm going to not let this define me and my career um, and my, my leadership. So um, I knew me that I wasn't going to just, you know, go back to the office and, and fold up at that. So, um, so there's not a playbook. There's not a one best way for, for kind of how to overcome and, and recover from, from making that sort of a mistake. So um, you know, it was, it was definitely the, I'd say the darkest day of my career that I felt like I'd been a complete failure to my team. So, um, so I went back and I, you know, I did what I know to do and that's just to be really transparent and open. And I, and I don't know if that was the right thing to do or not, but I pulled my team together and I said, listen, you know, I, I made a mistake and I'm going to own that. And, 
um, you guys deserved better than what I came in here to do. And, um, you know, I, I knew that the decisions I'd made were the right decisions and I'd done the right things. I just hadn't done it in the right way. And so I needed to do it um, definitely differently. So um, I took feedback. I, I asked every store manager I have, you know, for personal feedback. Um, I pried it out of my market team. I pried it out of my peers. Uh, I did, you know, an anonymous 360 survey. I took all the feedback I could get and I pretty much put myself under construction and said, okay, I'm gonna step back and I'm gonna kind of reinvent myself as a leader and I'm gonna fix these things. And, um, you know, it was not a point in time we were going through a huge transformation in, in the stores. So I couldn't necessarily take my foot off the gas pedal. Um, so I had to manage that and then be under construction over here, kind of working on myself. Um, so it was definitely very challenging, but um, I would tell you that, you know, looking back, I would have said, you know, up until that point, I would have told you that the leadership award was kind of the highlight of my career as, you know, at Walmart. Um, but I would tell you today that I look at that year after my misstep and my mistake, and that year to me is, is the highlight of my career because um, I came back stronger. I learned so much. It was sometimes painful to get the feedback that I got, um, you know, sometimes didn't hear what I wanted to hear, what I expected to hear. Um, but I took it all and I took it to heart and I knew that if I was going to get better, I just had to, had to grow. So, um, so it was definitely one of those moments where I go, man, I wish I had just, uh, figured this out without this whole public thing and, you know, other people knowing, um, but I'm thankful that I was able to not let that kind of define me and then go on to have what I felt like was the best year of my career afterwards. So, um, definitely, uh, proud of what happened, but. Uh, not proud of what happened, but proud of the, the results anyway. Yeah, I think, you know, you're talking about a few of those key things that make a leader a leader. You know, the reaction, the first reaction being, you know, I let my team down, the constant construction. I mean, any great leader is a person who is constantly trying to improve themselves and, and get better. Um, but even more so than that, the grit. I mean, it takes grit to get knocked down and get back up and to hear hard things and to make changes. And I think um, it's just a Zach personal opinion. Grit is one of the most important leadership characteristics that we can have. And I, I think your story there really speaks to grit. Um, going off of that, um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is looking to be promoted into a leadership role? So I think, uh, so probably keying off of my experience is that um, you have to learn to, to influence others and you have to really work on those influence skills. And I think when we get a title and we get, you know, the, that power that comes with the title, we sometimes think, hey, you know, I can just tell them what to do and, and threaten them and throw ultimatums out there and they're going to go do what I want them to go do. And, um, and, you know, we see that. We see it. I mean, we see it with our president, for, you know, of the, of the United States that, you know, this is what you're going to do or else. And, um, and I think that there's that feeling that that's what's important. But the reality is, is that if you're an influencer and you can get people to follow you because they want to, and not because they have to, you're going to be much more successful as a leader. So um, I always tell my mentees and people in my stores that you got to work on that influence skills. How can you get things done even without the title? Um, and that leads into the other thing I'd say is start demonstrating leadership long before you apply for the role um, because we'll, we'll see it. And I can tell you in every one of my stores, I can think right now on the top of my head about those few people that don't have any title, have never had a title, but they are the leaders in those stores. Mm -hmm. And they're leading because they're the first ones to jump on a new process and champion it and promote it. 
Um, they're the leaders because they're the ones behind the scenes telling the other associates, hey, give them a chance or give him or her a chance. And, and you know, let's, tr let's try this. Let's do this. Um, you know, they're, they're speaking positively. They're doing things to embrace the change. Um, you know, there's so many ways that you can lead among your peers and in those sort of groups. And so the more that you do that, you sort of set yourself apart and people start seeing that, hey, before they even had a title, they could lead. And if they're leading without a title and without, you know, any, any sort of recognition, how are they going to be as leaders? And so, um, and then I'd say, you know, make sure people know what you want to do, because no. I don't know how many times I have a rec open and somebody jumps in there and I think, wow, I, I had no idea that that person wanted to do more because they've never expressed it. You know, I've even talked to people before and they've not told me that. And so, um, so it's, I think it's important to, to say, you know, this is what I want to do and make sure somebody knows what your plan is. And, and then I would just say, lastly, um, you know, something I always look for in, in leadership is people who are positive and passionate and enthusiastic. And, yeah. you know, I think those three things are, are really contagious. And mm -hmm. so if you have it and you, you know, it, it just everybody picks it up and, and grows from it. And, um, you know, so we want those people that are spreading that sort of positive passion and enthusiasm um, around our stores. And so if you can, you can show that and they see that, I think that's definitely going to set you apart from others and, and help you kind of get ready on that path. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was uh, chatting with a gentleman earlier this week and we were talking about visibility and how, you know, you may be the best at your job, but if you don't, like you said earlier, be bold and raise your hand and you know, occasionally let people know what you're doing that, you know, you may miss out on opportunities because there might be someone else who's equally qualified or equally good and raising their voice. So you've always got to speak up. And I also love what you said there about influence. You know, um, we are definitely in an age of influence versus authority. Um, and too many people say, well, I want to be the store manager or the manager or whatever it may be, because then I'll be in charge. Um, but leadership is not a job that you can be given by someone above. Leadership is a title that you earn from the people that you are working alongside and working for um, wherever you're at. So I love that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, what would be, one last question I got for you. What do you believe is the biggest challenge for today's leaders to overcome? And what would be your advice for them to overcome it? So, um, so got to be honest, you know, we obviously reshot this video. So I had the benefit of uh, these questions a few weeks ago and I, and I got to change my answer here. So I initially talked a lot about the, the pace of change and the pandemic and, and all those things. But I got to tell you, over the last month, um, I've really reflected a lot on what's challenging for me. And I'd say the biggest challenge that I think we face right now is, is this whole mindset around how we um, are going to advance towards racial equity in our stores, in our clubs, in our DCs, um, just in, in society in general. And so I think it's challenging as a leader because I think it's, it's this unknown thing. There's not a, a guide, there's not clear guidance on how to do that. And so we're all sort of out here trying to figure out like, what is my part? What can I do? How can I make a difference? How can I ensure that change is happening? And, um, you know, I think um, so important nowadays, you know, with everything going on that um, we're using our voices and that we're leading that way. Um, and I think that there's a lot of leaders that, you know, myself included, that have struggled at times with being really open and transparent about our personal stances and our personal feelings about things. Um, and I also think that there's this feeling of almost fear that I might say the wrong thing, 
and or what I say may alienate another group or offend somebody and and so we tend to want to sort of be quiet and I think at this point in time with everything going on we can't afford to be quiet um, and I think that there's so much work to do that it's almost daunting because um, where do we begin how do we accomplish what we need to accomplish and you know you have the smartest people in the world who are saying like you know we're trying to figure out what to do but it's it's challenging and so I would just say that I think using the voice, you know, we've heard it from our highest leadership, you know, we've heard Doug and we've heard Ben and Dakota and Kath and John and everybody's been saying it and talking about it and being really vocal. Um, and I think it can get lost, though, at that level, if we as that kind of middle management team don't pick it up and continue to carry that message. Um, and so I've been talking about it in my stores and with my store managers and my leaders and um, and I think we have to do that, especially when you think about with Walmart, so many of our associates are based in our clubs and our stores and our DCs, and they don't have the benefit of necessarily hearing from those higher leaders all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, nowadays we have an advantage that we have social media, right? Yep. And I tell you, it's really cool that an associate can hear from him, uh, you know, from Doug or from John and, you know, Dakona and they see him on Facebook and they, they get to communicate to those associates that they generally don't get to you know talk to um, but it's so important that we as leaders are doing that talking to and and opening up that dialogue and and helping people that are uncomfortable get comfortable in that space um, and i i don't have all the answers and i don't think anybody really does um, but i know i've done a lot of reflecting on what's enough and you know, I think a lot of people will, you know, will say, well, I, you know, I'm trying to hire diverse talent. Um, you know, I'm trying to create this diverse and inclusive environment. And um, I don't think that's enough now. And I think we've seen that, that there's still more that we have to do because um, as a company, we've been doing that for a long time, but it's still not good enough and it's not enough. And so um, I think we have to figure out like, what for me does that look like? What can I do? And I think each person has to really kind of soul search and figure out where am I, where do I have biases or where do I have, you know, things that I could do better to help promote this and, um, and then to not be afraid to speak out. And uh, I mean, I get it. Um, I, I come from, you know, I, I worked in law enforcement. Uh, my husband was a police officer for a lot of years. It's been kind of challenging for me to, to see this sort of mindset of if you're supportive of, you know, uh, racial equality, then you're anti-law enforcement. And and I don't, you know, that's, I don't think that's true. I think that obviously I'm anti-racism and I'm anti-bad cops, um, but I'm not anti-law enforcement. And so I think there's people that are afraid that if they speak out that, you know, they're, they're going to look as if they're anti something or, or another. And um, at the end of the day, I think everybody's anti-racism and, and those that aren't should be. And um, we, but we have to not be afraid. And so um, I tell my school managers, hey, if you're not comfortable, like, let's us have a conversation and let's talk about what you say before you say it. And, um, you know, that communication piece so that you're not out there by yourself because, um, you know, you can say the wrong things. And that's that's, a you know, a, a fear that people have. So I just think that that's probably the biggest challenge I see us facing. And I think it's um, going to continue to be a challenge. And you know we're you know we're always going to fight for what's right and and as a company i think we've set the tone and so i think we just have to continue to follow that up all through the ranks and 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 then figure out kind of what what our piece is and and not be afraid to embrace it and and you know i think we've seen 
all over the place. If you don't embrace it and you're not of that mindset, then you're just going to get left behind or left outside because there's just no place for it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest thing that I see challenging us right now. Yeah, there, there's a, so much going on, uh, especially how you talked about, you know, we are hearing it from Doug, we're hearing it from uh, John, Dakota, Kath, across the board at leadership. But to your point, you know, I remember I had a market manager that told me, he said, you're a store manager now, which means you are the CEO of Walmart to your people because they're interacting with you on a daily basis. And the way that they see it is that you are the decision maker for Walmart, for their jobs, for whatnot. So you have to take on that role. And like you said, if you're the CEO of your store, of your market, whatever it may be, we don't have the luxury anymore of being quiet and sitting back and hoping someone else figures it out for us. That's what makes us leaders is we're part of the solution and leading that trail and leading that conversation, listening um, so that we know what parts to, to play and whatnot. So I think you're right. Um, it's something you know, diversity, inclusion, it's something that we've really, um, as leaders, have to take a stance on, and, and it's something to work through. Um, yeah, Tracy, absolutely. what's any other last words you give to any of the audience out there watching today? So, first of all, just um, thank you to all the associates that have been on the front line, and um, the truck drivers, and the associates, and the clubs, and the DCs, and um, just the work that they've done, and you know, I, I just came back from maternity leave, so I, I, I felt really bad being on maternity leave while all this was going on and um, and seeing how hard everybody was working and tirelessly just coming to work and just doing what they needed to do. And um, and then to the associates that are working from their homes and, you know, quarantine that are doing so much. But um, I think just, just it's a really good time between the pandemic and between the civil unrest a really good time to just reach out and connect with somebody and check on, on check, check on somebody. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of associates and, and friends, family, people right now that are feeling anxious and scared. And um, there's, you know, people feeling pain and, and dealing with financial devastation, all kinds of things and in their personal lives that we may not see when we're interacting with them on, on a Zoom or, you know, at, at the store. And so I think just taking that time to, to connect, um, you know, the people in the stores, they're, they're exhausted and they're working hard and, and they're dealing with a lot of things at home as well. And, and then you have the associates that are quarantined in their homes that can't get back into the home office. And, um, you know, they're, they're hungry for some human interaction. And um, my, my husband actually works in the office. And so he's stuck at home with um, our three kids. And uh, I take the baby to daycare, but he's home with the other three. And he's so jealous that I get to get out and go see humans and go to stores and, um, and actually have that adult conversation. And so um, I just think that, you know, we don't, we kind of take for granted that working from home is, is this great thing, but I think we all feel it, that it gets a little tiring when you're stuck at home and you can't, you know, collaborate and work together and see people. And so um, just a good time to just practice humanity and, and, and show some kindness to others and um, know that we don't know what's going on in their life. And maybe they just needed to hear from you and hear you checking in on them and seeing how they're doing. And, um, you know, I had a friend yesterday send me a text that I don't need anything. I just wanted to check on you and, you know, see how you're doing. And, um, and it's somebody I hadn't talked to in a really long time. And it meant a lot to me that, Hey, he reached out and checked in and it was a quick text for him, but it meant a lot to me. So, um, I think just a little kindness with all this right now goes a long way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for uh, coming on and sharing your story and your insights and look forward to seeing you out in the stores around the Joplin area. And again, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate all you're doing. Take care. 
thanks for listening to SparkCast. Join us on Workplace to learn more about this episode. Join the Social Champs program and how-to guides on improving your social posts. Until next time, be the spark the world needs.